Welcome one, welcome all. It is Monday Football Monday, the premier show on the SB Nation NFL show. He is one P Tweeney. I am RJ Ochoa, and we love you. Because we love you, we certainly encourage you to subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show. You get access, of course, to Monday Football Monday and right. the rest of the shows that the crew puts together whenever they have time. You know, not everybody uh, has the the operation that we do here at MFM. Mm-hmm. Leave a rating, write a review. Those things make our hearts sore, but something that makes my heart sore all the more higher is being with my man, Pete Tweeney. Pedro, how goes it? Hey, it's going well. Big sports weekend. Uh, no NFL news for a change, it felt like, but I had a I had a nice weekend, and, and I'm glad to be here with you. I'm excited to be here on Monday, Football Monday, as we say. I mean, and you think about the different types of entertainment you can enjoy in this world like if you're going to watch the wwe and you're going to watch one show it's monday night raw if you're going to listen to the sb nation nfl show and you're going to listen to one show what is that rj it's of course monday football monday that's right um lunes football lunes is what they call it down south of course okay uh but yeah great sports weekend you mentioned it uh pete is pete is a really big socialite um uh, one of mm-hmm. the most well-dressed people in the kcmo area as we have discussed before yeah. on monday football monday Pete, you had NBA playoffs, you had NHL playoffs, you had the Premier League wrapping up, you had the PGA Championship going on, of course, baseball, you had the Astros Rangers series in Texas, that's uh, where a lot of people's focus was. Um, yeah. what, how many outfits did you go through for this? I mean, because you, you had to be ready for it all. I actually went through two outfits. You know, you joke about it. I went through two outfits yesterday. So in the morning, I got some coffee, did some walking around Kansas City, and then the afternoon, took a quick shower because it was hot yesterday. Sure. I guess you had to throw on the Knicks gear. Mm. Knicks, Hawks, game one. And I know this is not Monday basketball Monday, but Trey Young, man, it has only been one game. You got to go back to the garden on Wednesday, kid. I don't know why we're talking after the game. This is going to be an harassment for the ages since Reggie Miller, Trey Young, Wednesday. I know you're listening to this. You're a football fan. You want to watch one basketball game? Watch what the Garden fans do to this kid on Wednesday night. Well, there's a high probability that Trey Young really is listening to today's episode of Monday Football Monday, Pete, because we're going to get into Russell Wilson and some of the saga and how it kind of dissipated, but might be on its way back again. We'll, of course, talk about our inspiration from Phil Mickelson winning the aforementioned PGA Championship. But first on the docket, Trey Young's ATL Atlanta Falcons. (laughs) Uh, Pete, I talked about this on the daily today. Um, over the weekend, the talks around Julio Jones kind of heated up a little bit. Uh, and on Monday, in Albert Breer's MMQB, he noted that the Atlanta Falcons were trying to pry a first-round pick away from a team during the lead-up to the NFL draft for the star wide receiver. Julio Jones is 32 years old. And I have said this before, that I believe the Atlanta Falcons, with Julio Jones, have the potential to have an incredible offense in 2021. And I don't understand any of this. I, I can't believe we've gotten to the point because if if the price comes out like it did on Monday where oh they wanted a first-round pick, then I actually start to believe that a trade is imminent. Like I actually now believe that they are that Julio Jones is not going to play for the Falcons in 2021. There's no way that that price gets out there if the Falcons really wanted him to play for them. And so why? What's going on? What are the Falcons doing? I have a thousand questions. Yeah, I think the biggest one right now is, according to, <clears throat> excuse me, over the cap, they have about $410,000 worth of free space. And I, I think it's a simple cap problem. I know we have different 
stories that come out and occasionally we're like, well, the salary cap in the NFL doesn't exist. Well, for some, some teams that are right up against <laughs> this year, it does. And I, I think that's a matter of what it is. I, I had been doing some reading over the past couple of days and apparently sources had told the athletic that the club's initial desire was not to restructure Matt Ryan, but if they didn't, they would have to cut Deion Jones. They've had to make other tough decisions where now you're with Julio Jones and you have Grady Jarrett, who is the defensive leader, if not the leader of the team. And because he has a $20 million cap hit, the answer could be cutting him and they don't want to do that. And so I don't think they would, I, I think in an ideal world, right, where this is major league baseball, we had joked about baseball at the beginning of this and you could just spend a limited amount of money. I don't think maybe Julio Jones is on the trade market, but this isn't baseball. This is the NFL where there is the salary cap. And this is one of the salaries that you can move. You don't want to do it, but because of your receiving room, because you have what you think is the most most athletic player taken in the draft in Kyle Pitts, maybe they feel like, all right, we could still do this, what I would call a semi-rebuild, where it's let's correct the salary cap and still manage to win. And Julio Jones is just one of those tough decisions. Mm, So I like that term, the semi-rebuild. I like just that you've married the terms. I don't like the idea of a semi rebuild Yeah, uh, because the Falcons are in this, I guess now they're in this like in between place, um, this, this purgatory of sorts, every move that they have made so far this off season suggests doesn't outwardly, you know, uh, say necessarily, but certainly suggests that they are focused on the here and now they did not take a quarterback, obviously with the fourth overall pick, they took Kyle Pitts, as you mentioned. So they are focused on Matt Ryan and his tenure with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, speaking of Matt Ryan, he was quoted a lot throughout the MMQB piece on Monday that Albert Breer wrote up. And one of the quotes stuck out to me, Pete, uh, in talking to Albert Breer, Matt Ryan said, so in a lot of ways, oh, excuse me, so in a lot of new ways, the last few months felt like they were giving Ryan a new lease on his football life. This is a, a prayer quote, my bad. And drafting Pitts over Fields and Jones was simply affirmation that he was going to get a chance to live that out. So why are the Falcons then, okay, like this this quote suggests that the Falcons, by passing on Justin Fields and Mac Jones, I guess, um, the Falcons are are all in on Matt Ryan. I totally am with you. I understand the the need for financial flexibility. It's been well documented how they can't sign their rookie class even yet. But there are a million different things I would rather do than move on from Julio Jones. Like again, if the goal is to salvage what's left of Matt Ryan's career in Atlanta, why would you move on from the piece offensively that he's most comfortable with? Yeah, but it's not just I don't think it's just the rookie draft picks. I mean, we talked about how they're four hundred and ten thousand around that because these numbers are always fluctuating. Yeah, right. Right. So less than a million of space, right? So you need about seven or eight million to sign the class. And then I think you want to have additional room. I mean, there's stuff that comes up during the year where maybe you want to add a player or pick someone off waivers. Something happens where someone becomes free. I know in Kansas City, Terrell Suggs became free. You want to have money to do a move like that. I just think you want to have flexibility even past what would be signing your rookie class. I don't, I don't think you necessarily just want to be that tight and then you have to make all these moves during the season on the fly and it it's just something i think not that atlanta wants to do it i think it's more something that they feel they have to swallow to give them that team flexibility i mean you look at the numbers on on julio's cap 15.3 this year but it's not just this year it's it's next year 11.5 and 22 uh he's age 33 at that point 
11.5 in 2023. He's age 34 at that point. So to me, I, I again, I just think it's it's when you have a cold and unfortunately you're sick and you don't really want to take this disgusting cough medicine. But guess what? It's going to make you feel better. And then at least you'll be able to go through your everyday function. And that, that's what I think it's happening here for the Atlanta Falcons. You were the kid, right? That that wouldn't take the medicine. That was you. Well, fortunately for me, Mrs. Sweeney, bless her soul. Uh, would have these things called medicine cookies, which were Entenmann's. What? Those chewy, <laughs> chewy cookies. And so as as a matter of fact, now I took these Entenmann cookies so many times when I was little t- for cold medicine and, and things of the sort that if I I were to have an Entenmann's cookie at, at a at a party, now it is an adult, it tastes like medicine to me. Look at that, Mrs. Sweeney, the goat, um, you know, set you up for a weird, you know, uh, social sensation. Lifestyle. It's a very odd yeah. sensation. Um, you know, it's the 4th of July it's dessert time. Here come the chewy antimins. Yuck. This tastes like medicine. Yeah. Give me something else. Give me a piece of cake. Right. Give, me, give me a piece of pie, whatever the case may be. Right. Interesting. Okay. So I know you're not like vocalizing support for trading Julio Jones. You're just simply explaining the logic. But yeah. but since you are on this side of um, – well, I, I'm just like irrational. That's that's my take here. Like I find this <laughs> to be dumb. So like within the irrational moment here, let me ask you this, you know, hypothetical, rational Pete. If, if all of this, like, this is all true, right? Like, everything you're saying is just factual and, and numerical values. It was true a month ago and two months ago and three months ago. So then why not move him before the draft? Uh, why wait till now? This makes no sense. This this part of it is hard to explain. Well, the problem, I, I think, there is it's this June 1st date. Because if the Falcons were to make any move prior to the June one with Julio Jones, the cap savings for 2021 wouldn't be there. I believe they actually would have lost money. This was according sure. to spot rack. If they had made the trade uh, prior to June one. So this is something that maybe they've floated out. Okay. Some feelers and they have to wait until after the date for the contract to be moved. So that's, I think the, one of the complications of it. And one of those like weird contract details in the NFL uh, because of the way the contract is set up for whatever reason, I'm not a contract expert here, but at least according to SpotRack, what it says is that the cap only moves after June 1. So they might have had this plan all along and you enter the NFL draft and you're just like, well, we have to just wait. Um, and to your point, they went and got another weapon for Matt Ryan. So by taking pits, it's not only really, I think, supportive all right we really think this player can be good it could be the best skill position player in the draft but we also think we have some good years left of matt ryan because it is a buy into matt ryan with those quarterbacks on the board and i think in a lot of ways for a lot of teams tom brady and the year he was able to have last year and really even some of the years before still with new england in his late 30s and early 40s has changed the game in a sense where 36 is maybe the new 32 in, in in a way for some teams. I'm not saying Matt Ryan's going to play into his mid 40s like it seems Tom Brady wants to do, but maybe the Falcons feel like for the next three or four years, okay, we still think he can be effective. I mean, you are coming off a year as well where a 37 year old Aaron Rodgers won the most valuable player. Uh, you know, that's an, you know, a year older than than what Matt Ryan is right now. There's so little to me that lines up logically here. I can't support it. I know you're not supporting it, but I I just I can't. I can't feel good about this. Well, I do support it in the sense that I think it frees the team up and they suddenly have some room to to work with. I think this was a cap correction 
um, that needed to happen in Atlanta. And that unfortunately comes with, with tough decisions. I mean, it, it, you know, you take away the player who has who still been effective, by the way. And I know that he's coming off this injury filled season. Uh, but you did have a season where despite him playing only nine games, 51 catches for uh, 771 yards and the three touchdowns. But you also have other receivers on the team like Calvin Ridley. Uh, standing out last year made you maybe feel more comfortable about making this move. I know they have doubled down on Mike Davis, so maybe it's going to be more of a balanced attack than we've seen this uh, flight type offense with Matt Ryan having to throw the ball all these times a game. Mike Davis had a nice year last year, so I don't know. It just becomes interesting. I still think this team can win, and you're talking about 17 games, and you're talking about seven playoff teams now. Who knows? Maybe they sneak into a six or seven seed. June 1st will be an important day to watch, obviously, as NFL teams can break things up around then. And if I don't know if, if you agree with this, people, but if, like in my mind, June 1st always feels like, oh, that's forever away. That's next week. You know, <laughs> like that's it's not like, you know, it's, I, in my head, it's two months from now, but it's next week. Yeah, that's how I feel about the NFL calendar in general. Once we hit the NFL draft and you have some of these rookie mini camps in the OTA start, I mean, you're just blinking and all of a sudden it's training camp and. It's really life. I mean, not to not to create a philosophical pod here, but life flies by, especially when you're having fun. So it remains to be seen uh, what Julio Jones and, and happens with him and, and where he goes. I thought it was worth bringing this up to you, RJ. Recent wide receiver trades for a, a wide receiver of Jones's caliber. Stefan Diggs to Buffalo for a one, a four, a five, and a six. DeAndre Hopkins to Arizona for a two, a four. And David Johnson, Cooks to Houston, Brandon Cooks to Houston for a two, Odell Beckham Jr. to Cleveland for one, a three, and uh, Jabril Peppers. I don't know why autocorrect, autocorrected it to Gabriel, but his name is Jabril Peppers. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so I think uh, pretty good compensation could be coming back to Atlanta with the additional salary cap room as well. You uh, did not mention Amari Cooper in terms of recent wide receivers acquired. I know that was three years ago now, but it was merely a first-round pick, and everybody thought Dallas overpaid at the time. So I'm obligated to say that they were right, obviously, um, in that moment. By the way, speaking of Amari Cooper, Julio was seen, Pete. I mentioned this on The Daily as well. Um, over the weekend on social media wearing a Dallas Cowboys hoodie. I, I couldn't um, believe this picture. Is that a real picture? It's a real picture. <laughs> I mean – this is a podcast. Is so Nobody else can see this, but yeah, it's, it's a real. It's so picture. uncommon for players of that are on a team to be wearing another team's stuff. Didn't this happen recently in recent years? Where I believe it was the Miami Dolphins. There was a play with Miami it Dolphins. Was, it was um, Colin Kaepernick, I believe. Um, yeah, stats can uh, give you the full details, but I remember that story uh, like in his peak with the 49ers. I think he he posted like a, a cap collection, is what it was, or something right. like that. And there was a, a Miami Dolphins cap, and he just came out. I was like, I like the colors. You know, they got an awesome color scheme. I mean, who, who can, who can, who can't fall for that aqua? You know what I mean? Uh, but I this think was, there was a, I think there was a press conference in Kansas City where Alex Smith was wearing a Padres hat, which did not go over well either. You got to be but, careful. But that I know makes LeBron sense. James has worn the Yankees cap. You know, that's, that's still a different thing. Like, cause that's a different sport. And like, well, LeBron yeah. is LeBron, but like Alex is a California guy, so like the the, the Padres thing makes sense. Uh, by the way, nice time to be a Padres fan these days. But uh, I, and I, as far as I'm aware, San Diego. Yeah, as far as and Phil Mickelson's a San Diego and uh, right. San Diego on Arizona Diego-in? State. Right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the whole point, I don't believe there's any connection to the Cowboys, like in terms of trade market for Julio Jones. It was just a weird thing to happen 
while all of this story is going on. Uh, well, I, I, I look, I, I'm very anti-traditionalist, but in this particular situation, I, I'm going to go traditional. I don't think you should be wearing any competing team when you're a member of the NFL. Like that does not oh, yeah. seem like the right thing to do. I, I, I look, and I am not one of these old school guys to say the rules have to stay the same forever. Players getting power, whatever. Like, no, this is this is different. You should not be wearing a Dallas Cowboys um, anything if you're in on in the NFL on another team in the NFC. You could be playing them for the NFC title this year, really. Well, so what I will say is a little bit more understandable is if that's like if you've played for that team before and it's in like a an Instagram you gotta video. Be, you gotta be retired no, you no, gotta no. be retired what, what, I, what I'm saying is like it's it's more acceptable if you've played for that team before and, and it's just like a video of you like working out you know like you just grabbed whatever right. you know what I'm saying like and it's uh and by the way on the subject of that interestingly related to Julio Jones any Cowboys fan listening uh shout out to all our BTBers might remember that Calvin Ridley I don't know if you knew this Pete in the lead up to the 2018 NFL draft when the Falcons took him, uh, obviously in the first round, he was seen on his Instagram story working out in cowboy shorts. And a lot yeah. of people thought like, oh, what's what's this mean? You know, whatever, blah, blah. So these Atlanta Falcons receivers, they love themselves some Dallas Cowboys, clearly. That, and then so does Dan Quinn, obviously, because now he has a whole bunch of himself. Yeah, maybe for their mandatory mini camp, they could wear all 32 teams at their workout, RJ. Um, my last thing here uh, before we we'll, we'll take a break, but uh, on the subject of Dallas, uh, Jason Terry, longtime great Maverick. Uh, I remember he had this tradition uh, where every night before, you know, whoever the Mavericks are playing or all throughout his career, he would sleep in the shorts of the opposing team. So like really? if the next. Yeah. So like if he was if he was playing, I, I vividly remember reading this when I was like 16 years old. Um, back when the internet was like this basic thing and you, you only had like two websites to read from. Uh, mm -hmm. If he was playing like the Knicks the next day, he would sleep in Knicks shorts. That's a pretty cool tradition. I kind of like that. Weird. I Hey, I think that's cool. I think that's interesting. There's a lot of commitment to that financially. You got to get shorts from all the teams, you know, so um, it is. What weird, it is. weird move. Weird move. I wear right. your where you, you get free gear. It's the best gear. It's the most comfortable gear. Wear wear Falcons gear to the airport. I'm sure he has a thousand Falcon sweatshirts. Uh well, somebody who wants some other gear seemingly is Russell Wilson. And we're gonna get to he of the Seattle Seahawks in just a moment. But before we do, Pete has demanded that we take a very quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Mr. Unlimited. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
Welcome back. I'm sorry that everybody had to hear that uh, just before the break. Uh, Pete is in a spicy mood today. Uh, Pete, Russell Wilson, the Seattle Seahawks. Um, this story kind of went away for a little bit. Uh, now, Seahawks coach Pete Carroll was on the Rich Eisen show on Friday before the weekend and just kind of talked around this. Uh, but this was a subject also within Albert Breer's Monday morning quarterback. Uh, and Breer noted that Russ views 2021 as the start to the second half of his career. Uh, and he reportedly wants three things. One, a new offensive philosophy that would maximize him as a player. Two, a real high-end, ready-to-play addition to the offensive line. They did not get that. Uh, and three, communication on the direction of the team from Carroll and Schneider, obviously talking about his head coach and general manager. Is this going away in your mind? I think it might go away temporarily for the next season. I don't think Russell Wilson has a lot of, or maybe even enough leverage right now. But when he has one year on his deal left next year, that I think is when it becomes a little bit more real for the team. I find this interesting. I think it's a very, this is different to me, like than the Rodgers and the Watson story before Watson had the off the field stuff where they were just talking about him not being happy because I, I just find that like you're, you're seeing it take a little bit of a life of its own because of where we are in the NFL calendar. I don't know how big of a deal this would be if this was a month or two from now, like that's where we'll be. I think it'll be quietened down. Like you're seeing Rod Wolf, a hall of fame executive weigh in. And now, Bucky Brooks has ha- decided to weigh in about Wolves weighing in of this. And now is someone going to respond to Brooks weighing? Like, there's so many levels of this. Um, Russell Wilson, as Bruce said, he's pushing for better protection, a better scheme, and a bigger voice in the team decision-making. And again, if, if you aren't familiar with Wolves' words and, and Bucky Brooks's words supporting Wolf, it's that, okay, they don't like the idea that these quarterbacks – are starting to take this diva-like approach and dictate what is happening. This also stems from Brady uh, finding a way out of New England and going and winning a Super Bowl. You know, Brady doesn't win a Super Bowl, and he gets knocked off by Taylor Heineke and the Washington football team, which almost happened. Who knows how many of these quarterbacks would have aired their grievances somewhat publicly and been pushing their way out. I don't think this is that crazy, though, and I... I know, and and this is where, like I I explained before, I'm not a traditionalist in any sense of the word, typically. I I think you need to adjust to at the times to have success in your product. Like, you're talking about Russell Wilson, and I don't think it could be argued by many folks, no matter which team you support as you listen to Monday Football Monday, that he's among the top 10 quarterbacks in the world, right? And so, like, I think that that makes a team fortunate in a sense to have him. And so, like, you have to be doing everything in your power to keep this guy happy to an extent. And it doesn't look like Wilson was asking for 100% power. It seems like he just wanted to be included in the process. And when there are only nine other humans in the world that can accomplish potentially what Wilson does, and a lot of them are locked up on other contracts, it's part of your job, I think, to make sure that he feels included and he feels supported. And I I think to an extent, uh, Seattle has done that with the OC uh, Shane Waldron, uh, who I know that Wilson supported, as Breer mentioned, and they go and get with, I think they had three total draft picks, and they go and take a wide receiver on a team that already, ha- in, in Dwayne Eskridge, on a team that already has like a Tyler Locke and uh, Metcalf. So to me, they're starting to take those steps. They they had some, uh, they also got an offensive lineman that I, I know that Wilson, that would support that move. And so um, they're meeting halfway. I don't think Wilson is going to be completely happy. And that's why I think 
this is one of those things where you're kicking the can down the road. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Wilson has some great success and ends up winning an NFC title or going to a Super Bowl and somehow pulling that off, because then I think this that makes this situation extremely more interesting next year. So I think everything you said is fair. And I don't think Russell, when when like in those demands, if you want to call them that, is not being unfair either. These are rational things to ask for. I just I if I was John Schneider, I would be hesitant to commit an enormous amount of sway and power, so to speak, to somebody who clearly wants to leave, right? Like why why go all in on Russell Wilson right now when you know he kind of has one foot out the door? And there look, I'm not trying to say Russell Wilson's not good, not great, totally with you, one of the best quarterbacks on earth. But Russell has done an incredible job and his team, like his, you know, uh, personal team has done a great job of framing all of the flaws within the Seattle Seahawks to being that of the Seattle Seahawks. Like there are no flaws that are viewed as Russell Wilson's and Russell Wilson's alone. Like sacks are a quarterback issue to some degree, right? Like, you know, there, there are very obvious times. Like I know you'll say Patrick Mahomes at the Super Bowl where like a quarterback is completely under duress, but Russell Wilson invites a lot of the pressure that he's under. And so he's over mm-hmm. here like, Oh, we need a We need a better offensive line. And, you know, I, I think as an example, you know, and BLG would tell you this, look at the Philadelphia Eagles last year. Carson Wentz was the most set quarterback yeah. in the NFL. And then Jalen Hurts takes over and all of a sudden the Eagles offensive line is functional. And so, I mean, th- that's more like of a grand perspective on this. Um, but, I, I don't know, like Russell's doing a better job of this in my mind of turn of turning the argument between himself and the team more heavily in favor of him than Aaron Rodgers is. Like, I think there are people on the Packers side when it comes to the Aaron Rodgers dispute, but there's nobody on the Seahawks side. Like everybody is, you know, team free Russ, let go, let Russ go, whatever, blah, blah. Um, and so the other thing about this, like, and I know I've said a lot, but so he views this season as the start to the second half of his career. He's played nine seasons in the NFL. Do we really think he's going to play nine more seasons? Which is also something that, you know, again, if you're running the team he's playing for, you are like, do you really believe you can commit to nine more seasons of him? And not only just in general, but at an elite level. I'm sounding like a broken record here, but it's the it's the Brady factor again. And it's going to make things interesting in the NFL for I think the remainder of the years that we cover this league, because now there are going to be guys. I mean, Patrick Mahomes in 25 is 25 in Kansas city is already saying he wants to play to 45 now. Right. So you had these quarterbacks where there was seemed like there would be a natural progression where they would turn 35, 36 and probably start to consider retirement and then eventually retire just in time for these younger players to begin. They're playing their one to 15 years, one to 16 years of, of quarterback. Whereas now there is going to be situations where older quarterbacks still are going to believe they could play and there are going to be younger guys that are ready to play. And there's going to be battles all throughout the, the, the league, I think. And Wilson is an example of this. I think he sees Brady playing till 40s, mid 40s, and he thinks he has a lot of time left. And if he has a lot of time left, he has to dictate, OK, where am I going to go? Where's going to be the best place for me to win is it seattle by the way wanted to mention the offensive line i didn't have on the tip of my tongue it's gabe jackson who they were able to require from the raiders and what is happening to an extent right now is the seahawks are crossing t's to make sure all right let's do what we can for right so he wants that protection he knows that he's been getting hit 
They get Gabe Jackson on this team. It does become up to Wilson now a little bit more because people are going to start to say, well, we, we brought in Jackson. You're still getting sacked. Whose fault is that? If there's one complaint in Kansas City, and you had mentioned Mahomes, about Patrick Mahomes, on occasion, you'll see a fan or two mention, and I think it's correct, he's drifted a little bit. I, the Super Bowl is an outlier because it, he was seeing ghosts at a certain point because all game long, I mean, guys were just getting free. I believe it was like 50% of the snaps of the Buccaneers had had pressures. But even in games where the Chiefs win or something like that, there are times when Mahomes puts himself in a position where he just can't be protected, where the, the drifting is too much, where he's trying to go back and back and back and then just thinks he can fling it. Russell Wilson has a little bit of that, too, where he can drift. And, and his almost seems sometimes a little bit more horizontal, where he's trying to go back and forth behind the field. And all of a sudden, there's no offensive lineman left to protect him. Again, now what you have is the Seahawks organization doing things to say, all right, here's your protection. It's your job to stay protected and win the football game. So, Pete, um, all well said, all extremely well done. Pete is, Pete is a pro. Pete is a pro's pro. Um, and Thanks. You know, to, to, to pull the curtain back a little bit here, uh, Pete and I actually did a, a lot more planning for Monday Football Monday than we, we normally do. So congratulations <laughs> to us. Uh, and we had a third thing set to talk about. Uh, we were going to talk about Phil Mickelson winning the PGA Championship. Uh, obviously, the oldest person ever to win a major uh, at the age of 50. Very great stuff. I have a lot of tweets celebrating this if you want to go check them out. Uh, but Pete, we're going to pull a hard left turn at this point. Um, okay. I'm completely, I'm completely surprising Pete at this moment, um, just because sometimes things happen while we are recording. So congratulations to Phil Mickelson. Um, you know, but we have to, we have to circle back to the subject that we began this show with Pete. Obviously, Julio Jones. This is really just the disgruntled player episode of the Espionation NFL show. I'm not certain where, uh, but Julio Jones apparently spoke on Monday. Uh, Tyler Dragon, who works for the Inquirer out of Cincinnati, um, obviously does a great job covering the Bengals, tweeted out. Um, he's, he's on Twitter at the Tyler Dragon. Julio Jones, when asked if he, oh, this was on, he was on Undisputed. I should have read completely. That's my bet. So Julio Jones Wait. was on Undisputed. Wait, no, today. he was on the phone. Shannon Sharp called him live on the air on Undisputed. Right. So he was not, this was not like a Zoom thing. It looks no. like Sharp surprised him. Yeah, I just saw the video here. So, um, so I I don't know Pete and I haven't seen the video yet. And in fact, we'll do this. Um, and and shout out to uh, Michael Kiss to go. We'll plant the audio in here so that you can all hear what Julio Jones said. Pete and I haven't even heard it yet ourselves. So that audio coming to you right now. You want to go to the Cowboys, Julio, or you want to stay in Atlanta? Oh man, no, I'm out of there, man. You He's out? out. There? He's out of there. Oh, Are you going to? Ideally, where would you like to go? Um, right now, I'm just, see, I want to win. Okay. Yeah. We don't go to Dallas. If you go to, you ain't winning in Dallas, Julio. Nah, I, you already, I, man, listen, come on, man. You already know, I know. Okay. <laughs> Can you remind him <laughs> we're on television Ask right me now? why we wore the Dallas. Listen, listen, you know how people is, man, with all that going right. on with the, the picture. Yeah. yeah. And all that, stuff like that. Okay. Man, I ain't never been on that. You know what I'm saying? Okay. That's good enough. Yeah. Julio. I'll talk to you later. Thanks for calling me back. We on air, but I appreciate you calling me, dog. You know I know my nephew was gonna pick up. <laughs> oh yeah, nah, nah, yeah. I ain't, I ain't going, I ain't going to Dallas, man. I never thought about going to Dallas. Okay, I appreciate that, bro. Enjoy the rest of your day. So Julio Jones, uh, it looks like 
it looks like Shannon Sharp just called him, like you said, Pete, uh, yeah. live on. I don't even know if Julio Jones knew he was on the show. I don't, no. and I, I don't know if he's technically on the show, uh, but or, right. like, cause, cause it's just, and cause I know if you're listening, the audio sounds faint. It's literally Shannon Sharp holding the, his phone, his personal phone up to his microphone. Um, and, uh, so I don't know that Julio even knew that what he was saying was like broadcasted to the world. Uh, but Julio Jones said he's out of there when talking about the Atlanta Falcons, Pete, holy crap, your thoughts. Well, I think we knew that this was happening. I mean, you know, if there's enough smoke, certainly I think there's fire. This confirms it in a sense, but he clearly to me has been told by the Atlanta Falcons that we have to move on because of salary cap reasons. And we explained everything and all the reasons why they have been forced to make this decision. Ideally you have enough planning where you don't have to make decisions like this, but that's why there's a new regime right now in Atlanta and you're seeing them push forward here. So you start to beg the question, where is he going to go? And I think sometimes you have these situations where it becomes apparent that teams have to move on and because they have to move on they are unable to find a deal but julio jones is the caliber of player where it's really not going to matter that you know now everybody knows he he's being traded because he's that he's that valuable he's such a game changer for a lot of teams in this league and i think the question shifts with this random call and i don't know if shannon sharp and julio are going to have a fight off air about this because I don't think he knew either. So you uh, you don't think he knew? That's your stance on this. It seems like if you really listen to the audio, I've only been able to listen to it once. Like we've just played it on air here. It really doesn't seem like he knew. But what it confirms to me is okay. It's not if he's going to be traded. It's where is he going to be traded to? And he'll probably be upset with Shannon Sharp because the only thing this does. And like I said, only a little bit is it hurts the Atlanta Falcons because now everyone in the world knows they have to make a move here. I feel for Julio, especially, obviously, specifically if he did not know that he was live on the air, um, because this now, like every Atlanta Falcons fan has their heart broken here, Um, obviously, because Julio's going to leave. And that's devastating in and of itself. But like, you know how sports are like there, there are like moments you remember forever. You know what I mean? And every Falcons fan will remember forever. Julio saying, Oh, I'm out of there. You know what I mean? Like that, that will just be burned in the, in the breakup of it all. And I don't know, man. I mean, that's like, that. that's a whole different discussion to have here. I guess you're, maybe you're, we're... T- you're talking about a player though, like for a franchise who is a five time, all pro two time, first team, seven time pro bowler. Uh, he was a sixth overall pick, has played for 10 years with the Atlanta Falcons. He is the majority of that fan base's favorite player, I'm sure. And it's kind of ending in what is a whimper here. And these are always interesting to me because it, it's such a a player where he's going to only look normal in a Falcons jersey. And you're about to see him for what will probably be like three to six years in another jersey, maybe a couple different jerseys. Uh, and so whenever you have that sensation, I think it makes the, the situation all the more interesting. But I mean, I, if you didn't think that he was going to be traded before, now you, I think, are certain. All right, this is ending. And it's probably going to be as soon as that June 1st threshold is met. Who knows? Maybe Atlanta already even even has a deal in place. This really sucks, man. That really, really, really is um, 
What a weird thing to happen while we I want to throw it to you um, because really, uh, no other way to say this, RJ, but some shade to the Dallas Cowboys from both uh, subject and host. We know that Skip Bayless is a, is a supporter of the Cowboys, uh, does not seem like Shannon Sharp is or Julio Jones is, despite wearing uh, that sweatshirt over the weekend. He said in response to wanting to go to the Cowboys that he wants to win. Your reaction? Um, I mean... I don't know. Um, I'm not. I don't hold any like grudges against Julio Jones. Um, I actually uh, we didn't get to talk about Phil Mickelson, but I tweeted this um, right after he won that both Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson won again before the Dallas Cowboys did. You know what I mean? Like they they yeah. both they both were like in the middle of these incredible droughts. You know what I right. mean? Like and they both won again before the Dallas Cowboys did. And a lot of Cowboys fans uh, were in their feelings about you know, that particular take uh, on Twitter, but, uh, but yeah, so I mean, so, okay, let's, let's look at it this way. Okay. The, the Dallas thing is really small here. Like I know, like that's how Shannon Sharp made it a thing. And of course, and now I will write about it at blog of the voice. Cause that's what I do. But I mean, he says he wants to win. What's, what's the best spot. I, I, in my mind, I, the Baltimore Ravens, that would be sick. That would be amazing. Send it to the Baltimore Ravens. Um, and that's a non-conference team for the Falcons, obviously. The Indianapolis Colts, I suppose. Um, yeah. I mean, wh- who else? Well, I think ideally, if you are the Falcons, you're going to want to send him to a team that isn't in your conference. I mean, that is what I would do. I, I, I'm looking at the AFC teams, and if you're looking at the AFC teams, the Baltimore Ravens and both the Indianapolis Colts are, are obvious. They could use these number one threats. So by- by the way, Pete, sorry, um, the Falcons, the a- the NFC South plays the AFC South this year. So the Colts feel difficult um, as a potential, you know, match here, just because I can't imagine the Falcons want to trade Julio to a team they'll have to face right away. Right. We have actually odds on where he could potentially go. I'm seeing a tweet right now from the Action Network. So this is what Vegas is saying. Falcons are minus 400. That seems like the wrong bet to make at this point. And then you have, in order, the 49ers, the Raiders, the Lions, the New England Patriots, who are tied to Jones over the weekend, the Colts, Chargers, Titans, Packers, and Ravens in that order. The Ravens, even though I agree with you, would be a great fit. They're plus 1,500. So if he does not land uh, with the Falcons, it seems like the 49ers are the candidate, and that makes sense with Kyle Shanahan, uh, plus 250 on the 49ers. And he would be a nice addition to that offense. I mean, you're talking about the weapons that are in uh, that offense. That you know, you you are maybe taking a step toward um, a clear cut candidate to being the best offense in the league. I don't disagree with you, but what I mean, the the 49ers have already given up future draft capital. You know what I mean? Like they're maybe they figure it out. I don't know. Like also thinking about this, and I don't want to harp and. Forgive Pete and I, but this literally what happened while we're recording. Um, I actually think that the Falcons, this is obvious, but have an incredible right to be upset with Shannon Sharp if he did not tell Julio that, that you know, they were on air. Um, and as of now, it seems like he did not. But because the way this just happened just torpedoed Julio's trademark, right? Like, like whatever market there was for him, there's like there's no way Atlanta's getting a first-round pick. They obviously didn't. That was Albert Brewer's report. I mean, because everyone knows he's gone now. Why would you give up yeah. big time, you know, deals? Because for him? there's there's going to be more than one team that wants him, and so I to me that can still lead you 
to sure. what, what would be a first round pick. I, I, it doesn't help by any means. But like I was saying earlier, I just think that this is the caliber of player. Whereas even though clearly he has been told he's going to be traded, right? Um, I, there are still going to be teams that want his services. This isn't a situation where we're like, oh, wait, they want to trade Julio Jones? No, we'll just wait till he's released. Now, I, I just don't think that's going to be the case because you're going to have more than one team that wants them. Like, especially if you're the, the Baltimore Ravens or let's say the Colts. Now, doesn't aren't suddenly teams in your division tuned in a little bit and saying, is there a way to prevent this? Is there a way that we can be interested? Is there a move that we can make to make sure that he comes to us or goes elsewhere or drive the price up? So I think it, of course it doesn't help, but I don't think it completely shatters the Julio Jones trade market. Uh, okay. Maybe that shatters, but it, it doesn't help, <laughs> which is the point. I mean, like if you're already Atlanta, saying, there's already an odds update on if he's traded. It's crazy how we're doing this podcast. Rarely on a Monday morning in the offseason, you get live news, but there are more odds out now that if he is traded, the Patriots are now the favorite, followed by the Titans, Ravens, Packers, and 49ers. So, Shoot, you have the Packers trading for Julio Jones. Doesn't that change things a bit with Aaron Rodgers? I think Rodgers is going to want to play with Julio Jones and Devontae Adams. So, uh, I mentioned this also on uh, the Daily uh, NFL Network's Mike Giardi reported that the Patriots have had discussions, internal discussions about Julio Jones. That would be fun, I guess. The Titans don't seem practical to me, again, because the Falcons play them this year. What, you know what I mean? Like, why would they want to do that? Uh, why am why- I Why am I the person thinking of the RJ cheeky factoid here? And actually, when's the last, uh, time, sorry, sorry, when's sorry, the last time there's been a Jones to Jones so, connection so, in the league? Hold up, I have to I have to amend myself. We are, we are live, so Pete, Pete and I are incredibly sloppy, which again is incredibly ironic because we had a much more solid plan than we normally do. Uh, the the NFC South does not play the A uh, the AFC South. Um, they the Falcons do play the Jaguars this season, but by courtesy of the seventeenth game, so that is their seventeenth game opponent. Uh, they actually play the AFC East, so the Patriots actually make less sense than anybody else. Uh, because why would you trade him where you're going to play? And here's the other thing, and I was talking about this with a friend of mine. You cannot trade him to the Patriots. You you just can't. Like, you can't if you're the Atlanta Falcons. You you That is the one team that you cannot trade him to. You simply cannot put him on the team that came back and beat you in the 28-3 game. You cannot. You just can't. You There's no coming back from that. You Like, I know it sounds petty and lame and stupid, but you absolutely cannot send him to New England. If the Patriots offer the best compensation draft-wise, though, you know, that's an old regime. You know, we we always look at teams and, and just connect teams in, with with their history because it's their history. But these this GM and head coach were not around for that game. And so I, yeah, I know what you're saying, and I know the fan base would be certainly wired into that. But if the Patriots offered the best compensation, especially, let's say, in a scenario where the Patriots are the only team to offer a first-rounder, you make the deal. I think you make the deal. I mean, obviously, if that's the case, I'm I'm going to walk this take back a little bit. But I mean, <laughs> <laughs> my point is, like, generally speaking, it would be devastating to Falcons fans to trade him to the Patriots of all teams. But that's not um, Terry Fontenot, the GM right now. He wasn't involved with that. I just I this this feels so mishandled to me. Like, if, if you're going to trade him for a second round pick or something, the fact that you didn't do it before the draft is a really, really, really embarrassing handling of all this i you you agree with that right no 
Why would you not do it before the draft? So because the you, the only reason that the only way you get the cap space is you can post- you can do it before the draft and still not like designate and you can still oh, designate you're, you're it. Saying, as you're saying and like almost have it yeah. in place. Like these right. things come out with Ian Rappaport on June one. This will take place. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. Um, I see what you're saying now, but yeah, I, I mean, I I guess. Outside looking in, we don't really know for sure, but it's got to be Atlanta trying to drive the price up as best they can, like make a deadline for each team and see who is willing to go further. And then that's the team you trade them to. Uh, you want the cap off the books. So to me, there's two things that go into this, the level of compensation and then also at the same time figuring out, OK, but which team is it to if it's an NFC team? Uh, it, you know, the compensation has to be more. It has to sort of fit. Is it worth this amount of draft compensation? Knowing in a scenario, we could be playing Julio Jones in the wild card and we could watch him knock us out. You know what I mean? Like, like that's why I think ideally it's high compensation. And if you can trade him to the AFC, this was a wild Monday football Monday. Very, yeah. very few things like this episode of Monday football Monday. We've said it all, Pete. What is there? What is there left to say? Seriously, I mean, what? What? Julio Jones wants out of Atlanta. That's the title of the episode. I mean, yep. And and just <laughs> to just to shore up that Phil Mickelson point, I was going to talk about Frank Gore and Ryan Fitzpatrick, but we'll save that for another episode. Uh, right on. Well, uh, Pete Tweeney, you were concerned about some noise outside of your building. You powered through. Proud of you. You did it. We did it. No, no hiccups except for the whole show falling apart. Do you have any thoughts right. on Phil Mickelson winning the PGA Championship? I suppose this would be Phil. Phil is is the ultimate come up of the week. I, I mean, I, oh. I usually announce it to an NFL team or player or entity. Uh, really, Phil has produced a bigger come up than any player ever mentioned. Uh, having to do with this award at the age of fifty, mm. being able to pull that off. So, congratulations to him. Uh, granted, golf is not a contact sport. If we put Brett Favre back on the field, I, I think he would uh, be eaten alive. Um, so keep keep that with you for what it's worth. Yes, I was worried about the outside no- outside noise going into this <laughs> podcast. But really, what I should have been worried about is the noise that happened through my headphone. Who knew that we, we were going to get sound here on Monday Football Monday? Wow. Right on. Uh, well, Pete, uh, great job as always. Um, congratulations to us. Monday football Monday, the best show on the SB nation NFL show. Everybody make sure to subscribe to the SB nation NFL show, leave our rating rider review. We certainly appreciate those things. That's it. We're done. This was Monday football Monday. Final word from Pete Sweeney right now. Go. I'm out of here, man. I just want to win.